Okay, it is episode 23 of the Auto Week podcast. Uh, we have a fantastic show lined up for you today, um, dominated primarily by an interview with uh, IMSA's uh, Wright Motorsports uh, Porsche driver, Christina Nielsen. Um, first, uh, due to reader feedback early in the uh, podcast, uh, in our, our era of recording the podcast, I'm going to introduce myself. So I'm Rory Carroll. The publisher of Auto Week. Uh, to my left, we have uh, Wesley Wren, executive producer of the Auto Week podcast. That's correct. Got Graham Kozak, features editor. <laughs> Natalie Knapp, executive editor. Um, so, like I said, we we uh, we have a great interview coming uh, from Christina Nielsen. We actually recorded it yesterday. It's a little bit of podcast magic. It's going to flow right in. Pod magic, baby. Yeah, Wesley is going to make it seem like. I guess I'm ruining that now. So. Um, we're going to actually go straight to that interview and then we will catch you afterwards. We're going to talk a little bit about a couple of the cars that we've been driving lately. So without further ado, here is that interview with Christina Nielsen. Okay. We're, uh, joined here in the studio, uh, by Christina Nielsen, uh, of the IMSA series Porsche driver. Uh, driving the number... 58. 58. Uh, Porsche uh, 911 GT3 in the GTD class with Pat Long. Is exactly. that correct? Okay. And in the studio, we also have uh, our features editor. Graham Kozak, yeah. <laughs> and sharing sharing his microphone in duet style, like a, a, a 50s duop group here. We have... Um, that'd be Mike, a duop price and uh, motorsports editor. And not being required to share a mic. Thank you. Yeah, that I mean, you suffer a lot for this job, but I—that's a, a step too far. We have Natalie Neff. Natalie Neff, our executive editor. So uh, we're excited uh, to have Christina here today. Um, it's not often we get an in-studio guest uh, this time of year, but you're in town doing what now? Quite a few things. Quite a few interviews. Um, I had the pleasure of visiting the uh, Detroit International Academy today. Oh, cool. It's an all-girls school. Yeah. Um, so we got to go and talk to them a little bit. And, um, yeah, you know, they put on a great event where we got to meet the girls and, you know, got to hear their opinion and, and share our experiences. And Are there any prof- uh, potential drivers in the group that you spotted? <laughs> uh, any future drivers? I'm going to leave that up to them, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't yeah. think that's for me to judge. But they are going to come out thanks to... Uh, Comerica Bank, they're going to come out to the race uh, on Friday. Oh, cool. Of the race weekend, the first weekend of June. Cool. So, you know, we're going to show them around and have them tour and visit our uh, pit box. Oh, or cool. uh, tent, as it is that weekend. Yeah. I think we're in a pit box that weekend. So, yeah, it's going to be great to have them see a little bit behind the scenes. Um, you know, I told them, like, listen, there's going to be two females in our team, our PR responsible and me. Oh, cool. So just because it's only men having all the other jobs that we encourage yeah. you to get, you know, yeah. they're also for you. So showing the data engineer and the race engineer and the mechanics and, yeah, all of these jobs that surround racing and, you know, work with a lot of the areas from the STEM program. So that sounds like a, a kind of a fun event. Um, I know that these guys uh, tend to run you around when you're in town. Have you done anything fun or exciting, kind of non-work or non-interview since you've been in town? Or I got in yesterday evening. Uh-huh. Um, we've had food. That where was very good. Where did you eat? Uh, a taco place. Taco place? Yeah, and Panera Bread. Which one? 
Bakersfield? Yeah. Haven't been there. That was good. Good? Yeah. Okay, good. They're a yeah. sponsor, right? They're a sponsor. Yeah, they're a friend of the podcast. We're yeah, trying yeah. to get them on, <laughs> trying to get them on as a sponsor. I'm glad you mentioned <laughs> that. Uh, so then uh, you run free around. Tacos. All, free tacos? Yeah, 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 free tacos. That would be fine with me. Yeah, we're not, I mean, this is not obviously a very expensive well, we operation. To, we need to stock the green room, don't we? We got. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. We, uh, we'll get a water bottle first. We just want a single <laughs> water bottle would be good. We can start there. Uh, so Miller High Life, I think, would be good. Um, so when you're when you're uh, on the, the the racing calendar, are there places? It seems like it's kind of an in and out deal. You're in the you're in one city. You you know you work all weekend, obviously racing, and then you're out before you know before it seems like before the uh, the pits are clear, right? Yeah, um, you know, a lot of people and my friends always say, oh my God, you live the most amazing life. You get to travel all the time. I'm like, yep, I see an airport, a hotel, and a racetrack. Yeah. And that's about it. So um, are there particularly nice airports or hotels that you prefer? <laughs> you know, Detroit is actually a super nice airport. Yeah. It's because it's super fast. I yeah. like fast, like uh, no lines and, yeah, it's and great. Like, efficiency. See, there you have it, folks. See, I, I'm, I'm with The driven, best so. stop on the yeah. AMSA schedule is here <laughs> yeah. in Detroit, Michigan. Detroit airport. Uh, yep, I'm going <laughs> to... We should yeah. actually we should get the uh, tourism board to to contribute a little sponsorship with that endorsement. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. We wanted to actually cover some some racing type topics, uh, if that's okay. Um, Other than airports, cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we could talk airports all day. Graham could talk Lego. Um, but uh, so first female driver at a Porsche Works team uh, as a selected driver. Uh, what was your response, and what does that mean uh, being a part of that program for you? Um, yeah, so to clarify, I joined Wright Motorsport, um, yeah, yeah. which is not a full factory team. Um, but uh, yeah, they've been with Porsche for many years. Right. They've been running Porsches for a long time. That's also how I met them because I used to run Porsches. Right. And um, then I had a little detour. Right. And now I'm back. And yeah. yeah, Porsche gave me this title called Porsche Selected Driver. It's a new program that they have in place, Yeah. which is something that I've been requesting for about the last two years now, okay. um, I was looking for a title. I, I was looking to be officially attached to a manufacturer. Right. And right. Porsche was the manufacturer to step up and give me that, which I'm incredibly grateful for. Sure. And, you know, it's also, for me as a, as a driver, that's a big step and it's a great step. But as a female, it's also a big step because I'm the first female to officially be associated with that's a manufacturer a- like Porsche or Porsche Motorsport. That's a much more clear way to put it than I, I stepped on myself. That's okay. It. I've said this a few times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, so, so that is obviously super meaningful. Great heritage there. Um, I know your father raced at Le Mans, uh, podiumed at Le Mans quite a few times. Yeah. 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 Um, Small expectations. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So really, nothing to prove there. Obviously, <laughs> yeah. uh, my the dad was a tradition. My dad was a uh, history teacher, so I know what that feels like. You know history? Not really. <laughs> I've forgotten a lot of history. So being with Porsche, obviously a, a company with great Le Mans history, heritage, that I think I've heard you say or I've read that that's an ambition of yours, uh, Le Mans, winning Le Mans. Of course. I think it's every driver's ambition. It's not like I came up with this one myself. Right, right. <laughs> you know, it's like. a really weird goal to have, yeah. Nobody cares about Le Mans except you. Yeah. yeah. Um, now I think, uh, you know, that's every driver's dream. It's also... There's just a thing about 24 races. I mean, even Daytona 24 that we drove last year, or uh, sorry, last month, um, was, you know, they only come around once a year. Mm-hmm. So maybe we we'll do Daytona 21st, maybe we we'll do Le Mans 21st, maybe we do Spa 21st, but it doesn't, It it's not the same. Like, there's only one Daytona, there's only one Le Mans, and there's only one Spa. And 
once you're done or when you're going through it, it is super hard. And at some point you stop and you're thinking to yourself, what am I doing out here? Yeah. It is 5 a.m. We're cruising around in circles, <laughs> right. so the opposite of cruising. And, yeah. you know, it's it's something where you're pushing your limits mentally and physically. But the day it's over, Sunday afternoon, you're just waiting 364 days for it to happen again. So what, uh, in being associated with Porsche as you are now, uh, that's a step toward that, that goal, right? That's a, that's a, um, like I said, that they have such great history there. They have, they're obviously committed to, to, yeah, uh, definitely to racing there, if not in LMP one and the, in, in other classes. And so you, you view that association with Porsche, obviously as a positive towards getting to, getting to, yeah, Mon, I getting mean, to. there's nothing not positive about right. Porsche. Um, you know, because the great thing about the the manufacturers is that, you know, they're present all over the world. Mm-hmm. It's not like they got a racing program, you know, they put it on for a couple of years and then suddenly pulled the plug. Right. Like Porsche Motorsport is always going to be around. Right. Uh, it might be in different categories, uh, in different countries, in different series, but you know, they're always going to be around. And as a driver, that, that gives you hope, mm-hmm. definitely. We were talking earlier today about the kind of new pathway into motorsports through video games and kind of uh, simulator stuff. Um, do you do that stuff? Is that is that? Yeah, I'm really not good at it. Really? Yeah, I'm yeah, really not good at it's it. It's horrible. It's, horrible. No yeah, it's so scary. Yeah, I I always feel like such an idiot, and I'm obviously not a good driver generally. Like I'm not. A, I don't. I'm not a great track driver. But the simulators are a whole new level of. No, I have no patience. I yeah. crash way too easily. God, see, All I don't right. do that on the racetrack. Yeah, God. you yeah. can't feel anything. You yeah. can't feel the weight of the car, or like. No, it's but I mean, I go to CXC simulations um, out by um, LAX actually, uh-huh. and it's a pretty pro setup. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, it's very good, but um, and I do it because I know it's necessary. Yeah. Uh, but it's not like I go, yay, let me go to the simulator. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean. Do you learn when anything you, in them though? Like, are very you, much. Are you learning very much. track it's lines? It's nothing to do with not. I think I'll enjoy it more when I get good at it. Mm-hmm. So it's the same. You know, race car drivers are always like race tracks where they're fast. Yeah. Like if you're not fast, it's, <laughs> it's not a good race track. This one. Yeah. That's not very <laughs> that nice. Sucks. Yeah. yeah. This yeah. one sucks. Yeah. 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 <laughs> let's go to the. Let's go to the next one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think it's the same with simulators. But I do learn a lot. It is a great place to stay sharp. It is a great place. I mean, to, especially with today's technology. I mean, they have the signs right. Yeah, the it bumps, looks like the track. Like it's really accurate. Yeah. Um, you know, you th- you're missing a little bit the, the g-force and the, and the pressure mm-hmm. um, on like your body mm-hmm. as you brake and accelerate and, and the car moves. That is probably the thing that is missing within sim racing. But to be honest, it's a great school, and I don't think it's everyone that can do that but yeah. i have seen of mm, two or three examples of drivers who came from uh academy uh-huh. um, gt academy yeah gt academy yeah. that uh, actually did pretty well in racing that's it we were uh, someone was talking about how they actually uh when they're prepping cars or when they're at the beginning of the season when they're testing they're setting cars up differently for people who grew up with the the experience of feeling the weight of the car, feeling the car in real life versus the guys who came up through uh, uh, video games. Hmm. They ex- they expect yeah different input uh, or different feedback from the car. So it actually impacts the setup, which was 
See, that's a problem if you're then sharing a car like I am with Patrick Long. Yeah. Then you can't set the car up differently. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I don't want to dominate. I, I have a tendency to ask all the questions, but we have like. No. Three, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You believe it? Yeah. <laughs> Christine, if I could chime in, uh, you know, you mentioned a little bit of a detour, but that was pretty good detour, you know, to win a couple of championships for Ferrari. I mean, yeah. what's the biggest difference between the two programs? I mean, they're both fantastic programs, that, you know, legacy and all that. But is is there a decided difference between the two? Not that big, to be honest. I mean, I have not a single bad word to say about Scuderia Corsa. I had an amazing two years with them. I love being with them, um, and they put on, you know, a great race team. They really uh, showed me what good teamwork is. They showed me what good synergy is. Um, experience that I can take with me now and also for the future and, and hopefully use to my own advantage. Um, it's definitely made me more mature and more understanding of the business. So, you know, I know personally that this program for this year is a step up in terms of expectations from my side. And... I know that the team also has high expectations, so you know I I don't like to compare too much, uh, and also frankly it's actually super easy not to because both programs are great. Um, so I'm not crying over leaving someplace every day because I'm actually super happy where I am, and I just want to look forward and I want to live in the moment and be with with Ride Motorsport and you know do my best with that Porsche 58 and hopefully live up to my own expectation and theirs. Do you anticipate any kind of a learning curve this year? I mean, it, because coming off a, a ch couple championships, the bar is very high for you and your fans, you know, expecting you to be up on the top again. Is, are you expecting a little bit of a learning curve this year and you may be, you know, maybe stronger at the second half of the season than the first half? I hate the word expect. I say I hope. I start from scratch. I did the same last year. Um, I don't believe in relying on results that you created the year before. We've seen over and over again that you can go to one track one year and, oh, the car is amazing. And then the next year you get back, there's a 10 degree difference and the car feels horrible. So I don't like to expect anything. I like to hope. I hope I'm going to be there by the end of the season. I know what it takes. So I just got to go out and do what I know. And sure, there's a learning curve with the Porsche, but uh, I'm on it. And luckily the season starts with a 24 race. So that's plenty of good practice <laughs> good seat time and yeah exactly and um then i just hope for the best i always start from scratch i don't like to have any expectations or rely on past results how, how different are the cars just from a you know a, a technical standpoint there's definitely a difference um one is a rear engine car the other one is uh, a mid-engine car and i mean i've also driven front engine car when i drove the aston so i've mm -hmm. driven a bit of everything for a driver it's great diversity it's great to you know, expand your skills and be able to adjust and, um, you know, make yourself or make your driving style uh, appropriate for whatever car you're driving. Um, but there's definitely a difference. Um, but it, it's, ma it's mainly in the feeling, actually. It's, you know, what you have in your hands and the steering wheel, a little bit in the butt, like how the whole car how the balance moves. Mm -hmm. uh, but to be honest, we just did a Sebring test and Sebring has always been a strong track for the Ferrari. Honestly, we had a really strong test. I was really? very impressed. So it's it's not like I'm, I, right now I don't recall like, oh, in this corner of the car was so much better in this corner of the car was so yeah. much better. They were pretty strong, both of them. Okay. And it, so it is more of a feel thing. It's, it's Yeah, the whole balance, how the car moves. Sure. Now I'm moving. Because yeah. that's how it feels in Seabury because it's so bumpy, so you're moving always. Um, it, yeah, it's more in your 
pants and and in your butt basically yeah yeah cool go ahead so, so if if daytona was any anything to go by there's there's a lot of excitement around imsa this year fan, from the fans have you felt any of that energy as a driver there i mean does that get through to you do you notice uh increased uh interest and excitement um yeah i felt like there was definitely a lot of people on the pre-grid this year uh, at Daytona, it was a great turnout with fans, but IMSA honestly also put on a great show. You know, it's something that's great for both fans and for partners and sponsors, and, and but also great for us drivers. I mean, I enjoy it every year I come back. If there's a year I'm imagining I'm not there, it makes me kind of sad. Yeah, yeah, that's that's something we noticed. You know, I think with IMSA's uh, kind of resurgence in the last two years. I mean, we've seen. You know, we track metrics on site traffic and, and kind of fan interest that way, but it's higher than it's certainly uh, interest in American sports car or sports car racing in America is higher than it's been in, since I've been at Auto Week for sure, um, which is really, really good to see. Um, good for us, obviously, but good for you too. I mean, I'd imagine that it's got to be gratifying to see people turning up to the races and, and know that people are paying attention and energized and excited. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I gotta really appreciate from the IMSA fans is that a lot of them, I'm not saying all of them, but a lot of them show up mm-hmm. and they know their stuff. Yeah. You know, they know like, oh, here are the champions or they know like, oh, like you had a victory here or like, and, and I mean, it's unbelievable. Like I get so many presents throughout the year. <laughs> like people give me things like they make a painting of the car or really? like one gave me an Enzo Ferrari book and had like made notes of like where he talks about women and racing and stuff. Hmm. Like I get like one sent me a model car of a 488 GT3. Wow. Like super considerate people. It's it's a hardcore fan group. Like it's if so you're listening, cool. send gifts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> send gifts to us. They're appreciated. Send tacos. Yeah, send tacos. Yeah. Well, I don't want to step on the toes of our future sponsor there. We have to see if that's covered under our agreement. Oh, you mean that deal's not that we haven't cut that deal yet? I mean, it's, it's very close. Okay. Right? Yeah. 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 So you know, it's not over to the inks dry, but it's we're very close. I feel nice. good about it. Uh, uh, Christine, I just want to ask. Um, as a woman in a field that's predominantly, you know, populated by men, I'm speaking of, of myself here. <laughs> Not that you would know all, anything it, about that. Yeah. It always it always heartens me to see race car drivers, you know, um, women race car drivers who um, work hard, get success, um, and just are doing the same old job every other race car driver is doing out there. But on the other hand, you do have to kind of shoulder the mantle of being an ambassador of sorts, you know, for women in a sport where women aren't very well represented. And to sort of switch gears a little bit, can you reflect on Danica Patrick's career coming to a close in NASCAR now and what maybe she meant to the field of women racers out there in general? You'd be surprised I've answered this question before. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, You know, Danica... I think when she came forward in racing with GoDaddy, it was a little bit of a different image than I think she would have had now if she came forward mm-hmm. now. Um, I really like what she stands for now. She's a lot about health and fitness and, and all these things. And she's really, I mean, turned her her image, or not her image, but her, um, her racing career into something more right you know she's not just a race car driver she's so much more than that and she's managed to do that in a really professional and respectful way and you know one thing i'm really grateful or grateful for regarding danica is how much awareness she has created 
uh, around, yes, women can be race car drivers and right. yes, we can compete on the highest level. Because, I mean, whenever I'm in town and when somebody asks me about like a race car driver, at least not in Europe, but in America, they're like, oh yeah, yeah, that uh, Danica Patrick. Mm -hmm. Like that's mm -hmm. the one they always know about. Um, I mean, she did enter the scene. I mean, before her, we had Catherine Legg and Sarah Fish, and we had a lot of, you know, race car drivers that came up through the ranks and, and you know, had a certain amount of spotlight on them. But, I mean, she just... She took it to the next level, 100%. It was very impressive what she did. And, and comported herself, I think, very yeah. well under a lot of scrutiny and a lot of pressure and a lot of expectation. Yeah. And, um but just I think there's also a very big difference. We were just talking about it today, like the Super Bowl commercials that she was in with GoDaddy. Right. Like the whole theme of Super Bowl. I'm not saying it's changed completely, but back then, like that was the commercial. Now, I mean, always made the hashtag like a girl commercial, which I'm like the biggest fan of. Mm -hmm. um, I wrote my bachelor thesis partly on that. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, secondly, you have Audi coming out with a commercial with the little daughter where the father's the voiceover and she's like racing these little go-karts and mm -hmm. she's saying, do I tell my my daughter that her grandfather is worth more than her grandmother and all these things and then they walk way hand in hand after she wins the race and says, you know, they support equality. Like those kind of commercials didn't happen 10, 15 mm -hmm. years right. ago, but they're happening now and I love this movement and I mean, if I were to dream of being a part of a commercial, it would be something like the always commercial. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. that's the kind of stuff that I stand for and that I love. That's uh, those commercials are tough on me because I have a baby daughter now yeah. and I just cry in them. And it's super embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> it's really humiliating. So it's not. It's Thanks not for sure. It's yeah. inspiring. Uh, uh, I'm at, yeah, yeah. But it, I mean, it, but it makes a difference now. You have yeah. a daughter, doesn't it? Yeah. It makes you think so much more about these things than yeah, it was before. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think. Um, you know, I've always, I would always have said it that I'm a feminist or that I support uh, the rights of women, but yeah, that certainly changes what that means and what that means. You know, you think about how you treat people and how you interact with people in an entirely different way. But uh, even like on an academic level, you can understand it. But now that you have right. invested interest, you actually see like the dynamics in the world of what it she might be impacted right. with. You know, yeah. Yeah. you might see it when she gets older, and I mean. I I go to my dad sometimes to talk to him. Yeah, and he might not understand it always. Yeah, but he listens. Yeah, yeah. You know, I feel like uh, finding um, instances in the past where I've where I've been a bore or I've been rude, and going back and apologizing for things that I said fifteen, <laughs> yeah. twenty years ago. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, mom. Sorry, I was such an asshole in high school. <laughs> Didn't know everything that you've been through. <laughs> but uh, but you know, we were talking a little bit earlier. I think. Um, you know, we, we had uh, Shirley Muldowney on the, on the podcast, one of our first episodes, and she was a great, you know, she was racing, drag racing in the 60s um, a, as a woman, obviously. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and uh, you know, she related some of that experience, but I think one, we've always wondered why don't, you know, I think there's, there's probably part of it maybe that a lot of parents aren't pushing or providing opportunities for their kids to go racing. And then, you know, obviously there are structural issues at play within series, within teams. Um, you know, what does it take to get more opportunities for women to be involved in motorsports? Um, I think uh, racing is a lot like business. It's about network. It's mm -hmm. about who you know. It's about being at the right place at the right time. In terms of getting opportunities as a woman, 
I still don't know. Yeah. God, I just think, though, I'm so excited that you're bringing all the school children out this summer, though. Yeah. Because I haven't told my team yet, but like (laughs) (laughs) minor detail, right? It'll be fine. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, just being exposed to something you didn't know even existed before. You Mm -hmm. don't know what that's going to spark in one child. Yeah. Or one kid. Well, and that's what I try to do, because I always say, you know what? Racing is racing. There's never going to be. I don't think there's ever going to be more women than there's going to be men because there's just naturally a bigger interest for cars and racing among men than there is um, among women. So that's fair enough. I just hope that um, there wouldn't be so many um, stereotypes and judgment on women in racing as there is now. I still think it's a bit too much. Uh, I normally say that women have to start from minus one Mm -hmm. to prove themselves while men start at zero Mm -hmm. and you have to prove yourself. So we work harder for the recognition. I believe that and I stand by that statement. But at the same time, you know, I just try to create awareness. What I try to show is we belong here, we can compete here. If you wanna do this, it's gonna be freaking tough, but yeah. you can do it. Mm-hmm. It's not a question of your your gender excluding you from wanting to be in racing. And that is a driver, an engineer, a mechanic, whatever you wanna do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, so that's something, um, you know, we, we've, we, you know, we've had female race personnel or team personnel in the magazine and, and talking to us for a while. We've asked, obviously this, the same question keeps coming up and I think, you know, beyond the obvious, like, uh, you know, have have connections with people that you know who race. Uh, I think that's most of the people who get into racing know someone who's already in racing. Um, but I think, you know, is there is there a STEM uh, field or is there is there a way for people to, to find their way into motorsports? And maybe that, you know, maybe. Um, I mean, I started with go-karts. Yeah. That was how I started. Um I think it's important to acknowledge the role of budget. Yeah. It requires a budget to go mm-hmm. racing. And your first day, probably going to be one of the cheapest. Mm-hmm. Uh, or your first year. Um, racing is an extremely expensive sport. It's the same when people ask, how do we prepare for races? Sure. Um, you know, it's at the gym at home. It's not on a racetrack because we don't have the opportunity to go to the racetrack every day or, right. you know, every week even. So I think that people need to acknowledge and really look into what it requires in the beginning, racing is also a team sport as much as it might seem like an ego sport. It right. is very much dominated by a team. And yeah, you need to find y- yourself some good people, surround yourself with good people. And, you know, do some research. Don't just show up. Right. Like actually know who is who or show up and just look one day. Uh-huh. Watch what others are doing. Right. Because you need to know who to talk to. Yeah. Like I said, it's <laughs> who you know. Yeah. Um, and so the difference between, you know, being a Porsche selected driver, I was reading, uh, uh, Frank, uh, Walliser, uh, yes. was, it was interviewed about the program, uh, last year and starting with you. Um, what is, what is that meant to you? I mean, obviously you're with a very capable outfit, uh, with Scuderia Corsa and now coming yep. into with Wright Motorsport and, and your association with Porsche, how is that, what are the, what are the, not perks, but what does that mean uh, on a day-to-day level, your life as a racer? How is that contributing to your success? I think he was talking about some fitness stuff, some, um, some simulator stuff. Uh, yeah, it's general, just more attention from the um, from the manufacturer's uh, point of view. It could be anything from um, 
some within the fitness it could be within um pr and media right uh it can be for example i was just uh in italy before i went to the sebring test before that i was at a new dealership opening where we did a little q a uh -huh. um you know it's all of these little things but it's my first year so it's building up yeah uh but definitely getting more attention um and you know creating more awareness around me as a driver and and my image and you know we'll take it one race at a time right now it's yeah. still something that's a very new program right so i'm still waiting to discover all the sides of it uh but i mean we're not that far along in the year <laughs> right? yeah so yeah i'll be okay yeah um <laughs> What were you talking about? So you had something else. Tonight's the big night. Uh, the, the Lego comes out. Oh, the release. Yeah. Oh, the Lego. Yeah, yeah. So little background, a little peek behind the curtain here. I had to uh, caution Graham not to spend the entire time talking about Lego. Um, but Christina actually has been immortalized uh, in, in Lego form. What is what is that like? I mean, I'll I will almost there'll never be like an Auto Week publisher Lego probably. Um, <laughs> so what is that? What does that feel like for you? It's pretty badass. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I heard about it in sixteen, uh -huh. and then suddenly it became eighteen, and some fan tagged me on Twitter. And I had to like zoom and double click on it. Like, is that really me? <laughs> yeah. That doesn't look like me. <laughs> yeah, my, my head's not that, was that like shape. My hairdresser, my, my, my hairstyle is not um, spot on. Yeah. But you know, I'm, I'll take it. Maybe in the but next version. It, yeah, it's not quite the right car. Not quite the right team. Well, it was last year. <laughs> they were just yeah, um, yeah. So it's, it is a Ferrari. Um, so I would say I'm. I'm 99% done in life. I just need to get a <laughs> Porsche version and I'll be 100%. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, no, it's pretty cool. That's I mean, not a lot of people can brag about that. But I think it's important to to point out that, you know, even though it's me who came with the car and, and the uh, Speed Champions package, uh, you know, we were two drivers sharing that car for the last two years that won two championships. And that was me and my old co-driver, Alessandro Balsan. But you got the Lego. <laughs> Yeah. I know. It's yeah. sad. I'm, not, I'm holding on to my hair. I'm afraid it has something to do with this. Yeah. yeah that, well, I was, you know, as we were talking earlier about it. It's, it is so cool for me to be able to say, like, okay, I can go get a racing Lego set for my kid, and the driver is a woman, and that, like, yeah. that's that is a really, you know, I, I think it's hard to overstate what that means to a little kid to see, and obviously, like gumpy white midwestern men are very well represented in literally every <laughs> corner of, of the popular culture um so Even i'm emojis yeah yeah right they're, they're all they're all like me big round head <laughs> exaggerated features uh but the being able to do that and being able to to go uh share that with with my daughter uh is super meaningful it's super important to me um it, it's just really cool. I feel like it's a big step. I mean, thank God I got this based on winning two championships. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, because if I didn't have the merit behind it, if I didn't have the results, I I would really wonder, oh, was this just because I'm a woman? But I'm like, no, right. we killed it as drivers those mm -hmm. two seasons. It was badass. Yeah. And yes, I made a difference. And, you know, Scuderia Corsa and I and Alessandro made a difference. But image-wise, marketing-wise, this is what I often see, is that I have a bigger advantage because of my gender. Sure. Um, because I'm doing a couple of firsts 
Right. You know, and that's a big deal. Yeah, and to have this, I mean, for all the little kids out there, like my, I have seven nieces and nephews back home, and one of them, when they came to me and said, you know, Auntie, this guy at school, he said to me that girls they can't drive, and I told him that's not true because my auntie is a race car driver. That's and awesome. Like <laughs> something like that. Oh, it just yeah. melts your heart because I know I had that influence. And that's why it, it starts with the parents for me. It doesn't even start with the kids. It's the parents who has an influence on the kid mm-hmm. or has the most influence. And now they can go out and buy that for their kid and there'll be a little girl in it. Yeah, that's and amazing. That's pretty cool. Is it saying? frustrating though? Like you still have to prove to people that you earn? I mean, that might sound funny but you earned your your lego you know what i mean yeah. you earned it with with hard work and championships but you still have to sort of justify it yeah or you know sometimes people are uninformed i mean we just like we were laughing um today about you know somebody commentated like is she just doing all this because she's a woman and they're like, hey, dude, two-time champion here. Have a good time. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, and then, you know, he replied nice. He was like, oh, I'm super impressed. And I was like, thank you. So, you know, there's sometimes there's there's a difference between those who are uninformed and about those who doesn't want to admit it. Sometimes but people same- don't know. I mean, everyone doesn't know sports car racing, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to ever be so arrogant that I won't walk up to a person, just shake their hand and pretend like right. they know my name. But at the same time, a man wouldn't get that question from an uninformed person. I have tried a lot worse. I so. have. I could be sitting in my race suit, signing autograph cars with my name and my picture on it, <laughs> and I'm sitting next to my co-drivers who are also suited up, and they ask me, are you a driver? And I'm like, do you want to ask him the same question or just me? Am I the only one here getting that question? Right. Okay, cool. I get that almost every race mm-hmm. weekend. Wow. And that's a part of it. And... You can shrug it off at this point. Yeah, I say I'm the drive the golf cart or something. Whatever mood I'm in, basically. Yeah. So, I mean, if somebody wants to get in for free, I'm sure you can put on a race suit and go ahead. And like someone ask you, you a race car driver? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I, sh- I should try that. Yeah. Uh, like, eh, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe a tire changer, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. True. You know, yeah. Uh, so is that getting better, do you think? Um, you know, not just you, you're obviously, you're, you're in the series, um, you living it, it, traveling, doing the whole thing. Is that is that part of it getting better for you? I mean, not just your own personal recognition because you're obviously more well known than you had been uh, yeah. after the success. Um, but it is the you know, do you feel like things are getting better for women in motorsports generally? I get treated well. Yeah. Um, sometimes I want to be careful in speaking on everybody's um, sure. behalf because I don't know. I'm not close enough. I mean, Catherine Legg is racing in the same category as me. Mm-hmm. But besides her, um, I don't know if others are. I just know that I am. Yeah. Um, I am being very well treated by Porsche and Wright Motorsport. And the thing with Porsche, a company like Porsche, you know, there's always like a little part of you. Because just as you say, like, you keep having to prove yourself um, and have to explain yourself. It also sometimes places a little bit of doubt within yourself. You're like, oh, did I just get this because I'm a woman or did I actually earn it? Like, uh, trust me, those questions come across our mind as well. Mm-hmm. And at least with a company like Porsche, I know I have a stronger marketing value. 
but I also know a company like Porsche only hires the best of the best. Mm-hmm. And if Porsche shows an interest in you, it's because they watch you on track because they have people watching and you did a good job. Mm-hmm. So that brings me comfort to sure. know that I'm with the manufacturer who views it like that. Yeah, I th- and I think you know a lot of people who to have success talk about that I forget what's called imposter syndrome or whatever, where you feel like you're always questioning, do I belong here? Do I deserve this? Am I, you know, am I the right person for this? But that Porsche's validation, the the championships have to. I mean, take it till you make it, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it, it, but it has to feel. Like I said, you know, you you do have to feel a little bit validated, right? Like you have to feel. I do definitely, yeah. but I think as much as this uh, feeling a little bit insecure um, can be dangerous, it can also be um, something that's uh, keeping you on the on your toes. Sure, keeps you sharp. Cool. Never relax. That's good. That's uh, that's my motto: constant anxiety. Uh, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's uh, that's probably we're we're very short on time. You do. Uh, I'm getting a note here. This we do like a behind the scenes. This is not a. a, a <laughs> Chryson is <laughs> telling minor, you. Yeah. you know, minor detail about this race we have coming up in June. I think. Yeah. Have you heard about that one? It's across the street from my house. Yeah. 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 Oh, great. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so in June, Belle Isle Grand Prix. Uh, Chevy Bell Isle Grand Prix, I think I was supposed to presented say. By Lear. Presented, presented by, by Lear. Lear. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Not presented by Auto Week. Auto Week will be there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we haven't paid anything. We yeah. haven't signed all the deals yet. Yeah. If the taco money comes through, <laughs> <laughs> you guys will probably get a check. Just pass that right on. Uh, excited to come to Detroit and Very race? Much. Yeah, it's been a good uh, run the last couple of years. I've been here three years in a row, three podiums in a row. Yeah. Still looking for that victory, though. Right. So. This will be the year, I guarantee yeah. it. Yeah. I look for it. Is it sponsored by Auto Week? Uh, not officially. We're, we're still waiting on no, some. When she wins, we'll bring her a taco. Yeah, okay. no, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That will be fully wait. sponsored by Auto Week. Yeah. yeah. Um, so thank you so much for coming by uh, for and entertaining our dumb questions. Uh, hopefully, we'll see you again next time you're. Entertaining questions. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very nice way of putting it. <laughs> you have been getting the PR training. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. Thank you. Uh, We're going to take a quick break and we're going to swap out our drivers uh, and we'll be back. So that was Christina Nielsen. Uh, Fantastic interview. I hope we can have her back on uh, maybe around the Detroit Grand Prix here. Hopefully. Yeah. By Uh, then, there might be a new Lego of her with the Porsche. There better be. Uh, Okay, so... Uh, now that we've covered our motorsports uh, motorsports section, we should get on to a couple of the cars we've driven lately. I think we've skipped that. Yeah, it's been a little the while. Last several episodes, yeah. And people love hearing about cars. Do they? Uh, allegedly. Is that why we're in the uh, sports and recreation section on iTunes, Wesley? We can talk about that later off air. Is okay. there a car section? There is a car section. But no, we're not, we're not in it. There is and there isn't. Whoa. A little bit of a pod magic situation. So- blame SoundCloud. Don't blame me. But also blame me because I'm in charge of it. Yeah. Uh, it is your responsibility, ultimately, to make sure that we're in the correct section. So um, we're growing regardless. Listeners, thank you for listening and keeping me in the jab. Yeah. You are right on the edge. Uh, anyway, so uh, a <laughs> couple cars we've been driving. I forgot. I know we're supposed to talk about the Infinity. Uh, one of them. One yep. of the Infinity. The Q60. An Infinity, yeah. The Q60. Um I don't know. I drove the car. I actually liked, for the most part, like the styling. 
Um, it's comfortable enough. Great motor. There have been certainly knocks against Infinity, but that that never, beat. never about their motor. <laughs> yeah, that never. Yeah. Motor so, is, so is yeah. To be to be precise, we had the it's the Infinity Q60 Red Sport 400 all-wheel mm-hmm. drive. So it's it's the uh, it's the three liter twin turbo V6, but it's got 400 horsepower in yeah. this episode. So That's it's a VR30 DTT. Good motor. Yep. Uh, you know, thought the chassis powerful. was all right. Yeah, but th- there's a couple things where. Again, as I put in my review, as, as a serial overthinker of yeah. things, I can tell when other people are like way overthinking things. Yep. And I think that's kind of where Infinity and a number of other brands that are playing the kind of sports luxury game right now are. Um, so there's a couple things like the styling, good. I mean, it's it's yeah. like that Japanese Mazda, you know, real a flowing lines. And it's a little bit more extreme than Mazda, which, it, you know, yeah, good. But then they do this. Uh, I don't know what they call it. I call it like the Infinity Swoosh. It's like their signature C pillar treatment. Mm-hmm. And on the Q60, it feels like they just, you know, they needed that that thing on the car, so they stuck it in what was an otherwise flowing set of lines. And all it really does is reduce rear visibility when you're looking over your shoulder. But yeah. it's, it's like increased blind spots. Yeah, they're like we have to have our version of BMW's Hoffmeister kink, which is a does little. Does BMW C-pillar. still do that? On some cars, they're trying to bring it back. Like it's yeah. gone on some, but it's actually on their uh, X2. X2 the yeah, but yeah, I mean that was one of those things that you you know defined BMW styling for you know in a Forever. small subtle yeah. way. It was a, a brand identity thing as as much and as it pains me. I don't to say know that. if it was the first one that they did that little swoosh thing on, which was the um, QX60 now, right? Yeah, formerly which, the formal, JX. Formerly the the JX, which I think works there, despite the fact that it's you know I mean a crossover and. Um, it also probably serves to increase blind spots and all, but at least there's like a full expression of sure. this swoopy sort of design element. And when you see it on the Q60, it almost just looks like they had to cram a little tiny chrome hump in the C pillar, right. where there's nothing else that dictates this design. Uh, even on the even on the the crossovers, uh, you know, even when it works at its best implementations, mm-hmm. it still feels like one of those things that they put on because they felt like they needed to force a visual cue into it. It's like there's, there's no other reason for it to be there. It doesn't flow naturally from any other, you know, yeah. other lines. And I, I think that, you know, the rest, of, like I, I actually took a picture and I was trying to make a picture work, but the, um, you know, the rear three quarters, like very dramatic and very, it's a very interesting looking yeah, car. Yeah, there's, that's why that's so a lot yeah. right about the styling. Right. Pretty handsome. Yeah. Despite that jarring, thing. right? And I'm and I'm a big fan of a coupe. Like if you show up anywhere in a coupe, you're kind of making a statement because they're so rare these days. Yeah. So for Infinity to say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna style this well, um, you know, give it a 400 horsepower motor, um, you know, all well and good. Uh, I I took it for I probably put about 200 miles on it when I had it going to Canada and back. And uh-huh. um, the other weird thing though, the steering, the steering's we've, bad. We've uh, we've kind of so read your thing. I I didn't. I noticed the steering was way too light when I drove it. So there's this uh, this direct adaptive steering. I just lost it, but it's it's a it's a it's an option. We can pause because it's not live, so we can just. Uh, it's, well, listeners of the show so, will remember the Q50 that we talked about right, at the so same program. Infinity has this. They call it direct adaptive steering, uh-huh. and it's uh, the the idea is it it's it's going to steer by wire. It still does have an emergency backup where if it fails, the the steering column will hook back up physically, so you don't crash into a medium. Seems like but, more work. It does. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, so the like whole idea is... Yeah, they're steering by wire or not. There. Yeah. <laughs> and how do we put it into fail mode? So <laughs> Permanent fail mode. Uh, what we don't like about it, 
generally is that it it completely removes all field. There's no, you don't get any feedback from it by design. I mean, that's that's the idea, and it, it it's kind of at odds with the luxury sports car thing. So I went to their website and looked it up. I'm like, what what are they going for? So, in Infinity's own words. Direct adaptive steering removes the mechanical connection between the steering wheel and tires, allowing for instantaneous driver input that can be digitally processed and adjusted up to 1,000 times per second. Is that a so, lot? I, I'd say. Uh, and then uh, it says basically they can they can add the feel back in. You know, so they they remove all the feel and then they synthetically add it back in, just like a Thrustmaster video game controller. That Thrustmaster would. is pretty good. Well, it's and an unfortunate maybe name. Infinity should. Look to Thrustmaster for some feedback guidance things, but like, think if you buy a sports performance-oriented coupe, when have you ever wanted less feedback? Let alone a complete disconnect between. Complete disconnect. You know, it's like yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's there's a, you know, the 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 luxury performance coupe thing. There's a couple ways to do that. There's I'm not defending this particular thing, but I'm saying, um, you know, there are certainly luxury sporty luxury coupes that are more about effortless acceleration and comfort than sports car experience. Well, I mean, I guess my take on it is it, what cracks me up is that there is still physically a steering column there that can hook back right, up, right? right. But I, I don't have anything against steer by wire um, a, as a philosophy, but, you know, certainly you should be able to program in some emulation of feel yeah. that can actually perfect on the actual like manual drive uh, feel think, because like you can then eliminate all those high vibration stuff yeah. you know the frequency stuff and just kind of make a synthetic road sure. feel yeah. of the stuff that you're looking for I think that was that was kind of like the thing with EPS when electric power steering first came out like the first one remember driving that 911 when the 991 came out and it was like what the hell is this is awful and then like over time they kind of figured out so it's gotten better and better and right. better with right. each successive model year. But th- there is there is a difference here, and yeah. it, it is like so. Uh, McLaren and Ferrari have uh, electro hydraulic. You know, there's still a direct connection to the wheels, right. though. It's just it's boosted by and something. Insulated, yeah, yeah, but there is still an actual connection. If you go over a a, a road imperfection, you feel it through the wheel, uh, even though it might be boosted. Um, but with but the like, infinity or completely removes right that. the whole idea i mean which is fine if you're going for a cushy luxury boat like a but this is like the red arcade. sport but there right. are yeah, certain ele- i mean there are certain elements that you can synthetically feed back in that at least give you the perception of sporty feel without the like the raw edge of a yeah. a real sports sure. car you know well, I think so it surprises me that it's just so plain a lot of the better eps systems too you know, it's that's adjustable. So it's like, right. okay, I want sport mode, and I really can never tell the difference. But theoretically, it's supposed to be like, okay, now the steering is tighter or heavier right. or whatever, um, or the ratio is different. Yeah, I mean, it's it was just a curious thing. Maybe they'll get it right eventually. I mean, the the whole idea of it is that eventually, once they get it to the point where they don't have to have an emergency, um, you know, fail safe column in the way. You can do all kinds of wacky things with packaging, right? Because you don't have to have this direct. And when you think about it, yeah. that's kind of limiting. I mean, who knows? You could do a center steering position, or something. you could you could put the you wheel put anywhere. Everybody Not could have a wheel. Safety. It could be a little wireless. Uh, what about wireless every, wheel? What if everybody had a wheel. So like, you, could you just made it wireless, so you yeah, could yeah. be just just like a Wii mode, like a <laughs> like Mario Kart Wii. You could like, drive from the back seat. Yeah, and a literal backseat driver. Yeah, but it's it's one of those things where it's a new technology. They're not quite sure what to do with it. 
So they're doubling down and being like, actually, this is what perform this is what real performance drivers want, which is kind of a bold, bold. Uh, out of <laughs> can you that, read that? That is to a degree, though. That is what everybody does. They they introduce a feature that everybody hates, and they're like, no, actually, this is better. And then over time, you're like, yeah, I guess, okay, whatever. No, you're they so don't even say down. that. Like the next generation of that car comes out, and they're like, yeah, we improved it, and they ignore the fact that they everybody, just the last yeah. generation they tried to shove something down your throat. Yeah, we're like, what? I mean, the the biggest example of that is like the automatic transmissions or like the DCTs or whatever. Like nobody wanted that. Nobody nobody was asking for you know sequential or dual clutch transmissions, and they're like, no, it's actually faster. It's actually faster. And now it's like you know five years ago, ten years ago. A new sports car would come out without a manual option, and everybody would be like, "Oh, no manual option! This is horrible." And now it's like, "Well, what do you expect?" You know what I mean? But it's just like, and this goes back to the the bigger thesis, you know, like the diminished expectations mm-hmm. thing, where it's like, you know, you get beaten down by the, you know, fed this, this marketing message or the, whatever the message is, and then eventually you're just like, "Yeah, okay, it's just the way it is now." You know, like maybe, you know, maybe we can still have a gas motor, or maybe we can still have you know, whatever radio in the car. I don't know. <laughs> the, the, the infinity steering thing though, I will say it's been a while and it still has not, we haven't gotten to that point yet where people are just like, eh, okay, so who knows? We have with EPS in a big way. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know. I think that's partly because they made it better. Yeah. That, that is I mean, it, it also got better. Like, yeah. uh, I don't know. I've, I've heard rumblings about people acquiescing to to CVTs lately, so oh yeah, I, I see yeah. this happening. Like, <laughs> yeah, mm, who is that with the bad CVT opinion? I love CVTs. Yes, it's you. I know. Yep, yeah, they're the best transmission. If you want an automatic they, transmission, it's the best transmission. Theoretically, the best automatic transmission. See, I was thinking about this because I remember Natalie uh, pooing my idea of everything being a CVT. Automatic transmissions were once the tor- torque converter-based automatic transmissions were once super fragile and uh, only for a narrow scope. Now, CVTs, if we start pouring money into them, everything can have a but CVT. But fundamentally, it's a more fragile. I mean, it's a bunch of chains driving the motor. I mean, like. It's cones and bands, and you can't yeah. have high output engines with a CVT. I mean, there's a displacement limit with a CVT, there's a torque limit. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if you throw enough money yeah, at anything, <laughs> you can find a solution. Maybe we can invent some new materials. But I've come back around to torque converter automatics. They're so fast these <laughs> That's days. The it's like, so... in, in, in comparison, like, Maybe that's the mission of a CVT is to make you appreciate <laughs> yeah. right. torque converters. It's like, oh, actually, no, that's fine. 911 with torque converter, that's fine. Whatever you want to do, just don't make it a CVT. Well, guys, you were right with the power glide. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Two-speed, yep, that's great. But even, yeah, even today, like, I don't know. How would I was driving the other day? I was driving a performance car to work. Oh, the Cadillac with the regular torque converter. And... Um, Shifts fast? It's Yeah, but it's still slow off the line. And there's still, like, situations that I will put myself in when I'm the only person in the car... Where like you're like okay go go and it I, takes a second and you're worried. Tell me a get CVT t-boned. that's quick off the line though. Right. Like, but it, if it was a stick, I'd the, be in third gear. That's true. And I'd be gone. <laughs> but if you already know that, you're already preloading your torque converter with just, your yeah, I guess you I'm know just your two foot. You yeah. drive t- two footed. You have your foot on the brake and then. I'm not that smart or coordinated. <laughs> that also helps build boost with turbocharged engines. All right, I'm not getting into discussion with you. Let's talk about the. Lincoln Navigator, a car that has caused quite a stir around the office. Quite a little. Well, yeah, little we've impact. been talking. Is yeah. there a stir? About it. Yeah, there's a stir, man. People are talking about it. But it's like a pleasant stir, but it seems to like it. Yeah, everyone's pretty. We're all struggling with some complex emotions and feelings towards it. I think. I'd love it. 
That's not complex at I, all. My neighbor, I, I told you, was yelling across the my side streets of Boulevard, and he was yelling across the median at me. Yeah. At night, it's quiet, and he's like, "You gotta tell me about that thing," because yeah. he and he already knew just by looking at it. I don't know that it's got the black label, whatever edition. It's the rich color. <laughs> the, uh-huh. um, he. Uh, he knew what version it was. His passenger and the other seat was leaning over out his window going, that thing's 94,000. Like they knew yeah. everything about That's this car. It's kind of weird it's got a light up. It's, it's got a light up star on the front. And then I felt compelled to take a picture of the light up crosshair symbol. It's big. It's like 17 inches tall. Yeah. No, I think literally it is like 11 or 12 inches it's, tall. It's yeah. massive. Cause the, I, and in case you missed it in, in its size, it also lights up. Yeah. So. As all good emblems should have. Daniel Golson, shout out to Daniel Golson. The thing is, it's like why I think we're so torn is you walk by the thing and it's just sort of ridiculous because the grill is the size of your house. Yeah. The wheels are twenty-one spoke, forty-five inch wheels. Yeah. You know, it's and the, everything about it is like cartoonishly big. But that's that's so. This and in, in, I guess my point about this car and and the new Cadillacs and the new um, even the new like the GMC Yukon the the big Yukon I love those cars because for the first time like in the history of building cars that are Titanic like that like you know the modern SUV has always has been about that size for I don't know five years eight years but this generation of styling with with GM stuff and this car they're not trying to hide it at all so there's no like. They're like these are the proportions of this car. It's not even. It's not. Yeah, and it's not even a matter of embracing it. It's like bragging about. Yeah, it, and just it, reveling in yeah. the size. But they have that presence, like that. You know, the first time I had a, like a modern Rolls Phantom roll up next to me, you can you feel it before it's there, and it's like holy shit, what what is that? And these cars have like a similar. I mean, I'm not going to say it's a Rolls Royce Phantom, but they have the same kind of like this. This is a really big car. We're not trying to hide it. There's there's a ton of room inside. It's got big wheels. Like it's, it, to me, it it looks proportionally. It makes a lot more sense. It, like I love that the GMT 900 thing. Like the, uh, from the rear doors back on those cars. Mm-hmm. Like that big flank that's kind of sculpted mm-hmm. and but like shows very its angular length. now. It's yeah, like very squared off now. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the the E twenty one seven series where mm-hmm. it's like this is a big car. Mm-hmm. Like it, you know, it's got presence. It's got like. Um, like it, it looks, you know, not like a status symbol, but it looks like a, like, looks a, like a status symbol. Yeah, it's a big, I mean, it's a big car. Yeah, as somebody who aspires to own a Duesenberg, yeah, like I appreciate big cars. Yeah, but like, okay, so why I'm torn on the Navigator is it's it's offensively big. Like, I mean, it has presence, but it's it's ridiculous. It's like. Wasn't that the point of a big car is be offensively <sighs> yeah. big? Like, I mean, if you're gonna, my thing is, if you're gonna build a big car. It's fucking building. They're all in. It's, They're yeah. all in on it. Yeah. Yeah. I, no I, half I don't measures. Know. It's uh literally. It's it's very big and like I personally feel kind of embarrassed showing up in it because I can't pull that off, I guess. Oh, you can pull it no, off. No, I I don't wanna like it it's 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 kind of grotesque how big it is. I it's, feel the same way a, about the Raptor though. It's enormously though. grotesque, but it's really but well done. It. That's what I say. Well, but no, I think here's here's where I'm sort of split on it, okay? Is that it's grotesquely oversized. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But and you can judge it all you want when you walk by it and, and, and snicker or whatever. And then you drive the thing and then you're like, you know, I I would still kind of can do this. OK, I, if it was like if it was three inches narrower, no one would say a thing. That's that's the yeah, thing. but it wouldn't be as comfortable. Yeah, it, would. it 
No, it wouldn't. You'd be dude that You'd be cramped in as, as, be cramped in as a big boy. Trust yeah, me, as a, get, as a big boy, it's it is nice to have that extra three inches in there. Like I don't see I, I don't think you'd miss I don't think you'd miss it. Oh but no, I will tell you this. So like the difference between that and the what's the the big Mercedes, the G Class, the, the GLS, GLS or whatever. Mm-hmm. Those big GMC and the the I didn't drive the Lincoln, but I drove the what's the Ford one? The Expedition. Expedition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It actually does, like you actually do feel like there's more room in the car. I, now, would I miss it? I don't know, but yeah, but when I, I think, see it, it, I do appreciate it. I think one of the things that it does right is that it does have, and and I should note that probably these are being purchased in large part by people who are even fatter than me. So, like, oh, genuine for sure. Voice. Yeah. <laughs> for I think sure. part of the reason it feels bigger is because it has the old school, uh, really upright greenhouse, and a mm-hmm. lot. I mean, like the I I've been in cars half the size of the the navigator that have worse blind spots like True. you can you can look over yeah. your shoulder and actually see it's like right. being in the wagoneer which feels big and airy yeah even though it's actually a pretty small well they and they actually probably have similar interior volumes that's that's the other thing too about like the size of these cars is like a yeah. wagoneer like the the thing like my 911 my old 911 which is like half the size of a modern 911 has more interior space than a modern 911 right. but it's it's because the doors are right. thinner, the greenhouse is thinner. Right. You know, the A pillar everything is on my beefier. car is is less than an inch thick. They just you right. can't do that anymore. So, like to get a similar interior space to your Wagoneer and meet safety, you have to build a car the size of a GLS and and bigger. But my whole thing with the Navigator is like I can be offended all day by it until I drove it and realize like this is a quality built vehicle that does everything it's supposed to do like really well. And, and it, it rips does it, too, that motor is awesome. It totally yeah. rips. It's completely comfortable and you feel like you're swathed in luxury in it like you're supposed to. But it also performs really, it's quiet. Like that, you pay $100,000 for a vehicle, you want it to be just like yeah. serene inside. And it's it's so quiet. Like I was telling you before, Graham, the turning radius on it is like mm-hmm. crazy yeah. tight. Like. It does. Suspension. It does everything. Doesn't just, try to be a truck. No, yeah. it's it's. You know, you can feel the thing weighs eight thousand pounds, but yeah. it just is managed well. The weight is managed well. The dynamics are not. If it, they could build a sedan that felt like that, yeah, right, that would be. Yeah, they would. That That's would the set them apart. Yeah, yeah, like the the Continental's like. You know, a, it's it was a step in the right direction. Yeah, I it's think it's, we can all, it's but the platform four fifths of the way there or yeah. whatever. But it's it doesn't have it doesn't have that presence you're I mean, talking about. And I think a lot of that is just too small, right? You know, the it's just right. the platform's too small. So if we lower the Lincoln, the That's, Navigator, dude, yeah. I I have a theory, which is a very bad one and dumb one, it, which kind of illustrates why I am where I am. But um, I think you could do okay with a business that slams those cars and kind of turns them into wagons. You know, like. Lowers them substantially and you know makes the entry height on par roughly with a wagon and a little bit lower, slightly I, smaller wheel, slightly yeah. smaller tire. Yeah, I don't know that tire. you could. I don't you, know you could get would, it down. Enough. Yeah, I don't know. You'd have to chop the heck out of like the whole side body and get it slammed down. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you could, you, you could probably do two two and a half inches out of maybe, ride height. Maybe, but um, those electric, you know, the retractable yeah. side rails on it which i mean they've been doing that forever on, on yeah. the big on Force. the big trucks yeah. but um that just it, they work so magically and you step out and you don't care that it's 10 feet off the yeah. ground you know i honestly like it in graham i was 100 percent with you um until this most recent generation of cars 
but it, it is, and to me, it is the styling where, like, for the first time, those cards actually look good. Like, I remember, like, the first couple of Escalades where it was, like, Ugh. like, yeah. you know, it was, like, all these big oh, features. It, it looks on, great. Like, uh, those Escalade ESVs, I don't like the way they look now. Like, the first generation of them, they yeah. look kind of... They looked very bad. They yeah, look I bad just, and cheap. I yeah. just wish it was four-fifth scale. Like, that's, you know, it's, it's yeah. so big. Like, it doesn't... Well, well a, it fits a, in my driveway now that I got my driveway two feet but wider. But like, I will say this, last year it wouldn't have fit in my driveway. I will say this, though. that So last year we took uh, me, Christina, and the baby, uh, Christina's brother, uh, his wife, and their baby up to back home. And they uh, they would not have fit. Like there's there are very few vehicles that we could – that would be right. capable of doing that. So like it's like that – a couple of minivans and like you know the like it's really the full full size SUVs and a minivan like you can't do that in a seven passenger Land Rover Explorer or whatever that would be miserable right. but it, which is weird and like it goes back to to get that interior volume of mm-hmm. what, what was considered a big car you have to build a, a 23 foot car a 21 foot car um, which is bizarre but at least like at least proportionally like visually they make sense now you know what I mean where it's like it, it, it wasn't just an exercise in growing and growing and growing and then trying to figure out how to make it look normal. It was just like, okay, we're going to build a 12 tenths size SUV now. Um, so I, I don't know. I, like I said, would I buy one? I mean, probably not, but I totally understand it. I think philosophically it would be very hard for me to pull the trigger on a car like that. But yeah, I think that's my thing. Like yeah. that's, that's again, I'll say that the G wagon, like the AMG versions are good, but I could not picture. Well, I, would buy a G-Wagon I could not picture. Could not picture rolling anywhere in that thing. A G- not even that G550. No. What about a G550? Maybe. I mean, if I could. What about a G650 Landalay? What about a no. G350? It's the worst. What about a G350 with a five-speed? Maybe. That I would do. Yeah, I mean that'd be RP. that'd be cool. But yeah, there's something about it where it's just like, well, screw you. Like I got mine that just rubs me the wrong way. Well, that's because Graham, you're a Koenigsegg owner, as right. everybody else yeah. in this room. Yeah. So that's that's where you get. But the thing is, is nobody really takes that seriously because, like, if you really had yours, like you, you know what I mean? Like, I guess maybe I've almost been wiped off the road too often by people yeah. driving. I get the exact opposite though. Like I'm you're in like, this thing. I'm like, why are you crowding? <laughs> like, why do you not see me? And you're like turning into my lane. Yeah. I'm the why biggest. Why is why is anybody even on a motorcycle? <laughs> Don't they realize I could why crush you under look, my? Why is everybody looking at me like I'm an asshole? Yeah, no, guess, it's not that. It's people keep turning like changing lanes into me well, and not that's, seeing that's me. A, like I'm the problem. motorcycle, mm-hmm. and I'm like literally I am the biggest thing on the road. How is it that you don't see me? The yeah. biggest and brightest thing on the road if yeah. you're in that orange G wagon. For yeah. real, I like, and too many times I've been like in giant vehicles. It happened many times in this Navigator, and people are like running it i'm like i don't know how you can't see me yeah that is a bizarre it like and it's it's i mean i guess my like i was i was a very defensive driver i think when i i used to commute from lansing to here and over the course of the last several years of you know living in the detroit area i've become a very like every man for himself driver where it's just like i cannot trust anyone like to avoid me i can't trust anyone to see me so i'm just going to like not be in traffic like i'm going to be wherever whatever i can do to get away from these people right. i'm going to do which is very stressful for everybody involved but i uh yeah if they can't see you in your bright orange g-wagon i don't know what else what we're supposed to do hmm. this is probably a decent point to nice wrap. well I mean, we could talk we can talk about this for years or we can mention 
that uh, the word is getting out. What's that? People are actually going to iTunes and five starring us. Yeah, which is good. Can yep. keep doing it. Weird. I will personally. Uh, Thanks, Jimmy P. For that. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's my mom and my extended. <laughs> actually, if my if, if just my you know kind of my dad's side of my family were to go rate us on iTunes, I think we'd probably be. Um, it's like 150 but, people. But here's the thing I was thinking yeah. about. Uh, if you rate us on iTunes, give us five stars and leave a positive review, we'll send you some. No, well, that's a little more ambitious than I was going. I was going to say the we'll West give you a shout out. You. We'll send you a podcast every, uh, every every two weeks. Yeah, but no, we'll give you a personal shout out and a personal thank you. Okay, let's do that. Um, also, congratulations for making it to the end of this episode. Yeah, wow, it's a long one. Um, anyway, uh, that's the podcast for this uh, issue. I'll say um, we will be back. In two weeks uh, to talk, uh, we're going to talk uh, to Wesley about Autorama, Detroit Autorama, the big custom car show, uh, probably one of the biggest custom car shows. It's smaller than AMBR, but it's pretty big. It's big. It's a big deal. It's a huge deal. Um, here in Detroit, that's happening this weekend. Wesley is going to go and get us the, uh, the inside intelligence, and uh, we will grill him for a full hour uh, next issue. Cool. Yep. 